0: Welcome to the Broad Story Project. In these times of COVID-19, the world is a crazy jungle of contradictions. One place Broads instinctively turn to for solace is our memories, stories from our pasts that have shaped us and remain part of us, defining what we value and what gives us joy. Suez Jacobson leads this project. She is a writer, the executive producer of the film, Wild Hope, and serves on the BROADS Board of Directors. Hi, this is Suez Jacobson. We're lucky today to have Cindy Byrne with us, and she's gonna tell us just a little bit about herself and how she got involved with great old BROADS, and then she's gonna share her story. So go ahead, Cindy, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I
1: just learned about broads online, mainly because I loved the name. <laughs> and um, I guess I'm getting like to the age where I could be considered a great old broad myself. So I just have followed you all online. And I find the storytelling really compelling because I think that's how we gain understanding and wisdom. And so I loved the idea of your story project. So that's how I ended up here. I guess my story starts about, well, almost exactly five years ago. I'm a mom of two kids. At that time, a almost 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. And I was feeling pretty buried and immersed in the whole role of parenting, particularly because my oldest kid has suffered and struggled as, you know, only a struggling teenager can, it seems. And I decided I needed a like an adventure to get me back in touch with myself and out of just a total immersion in parenting. And so... I had done a previous trip with a wonderful friend in Albuquerque where we had hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim and I joined a group of her friends to do that and she and I decided to put together a group for a new ladies adventure and we ultimately settled on doing a section of the John Muir Trail here in, the, in California in the Sierras. Our plan was we would hike roughly 80 miles from Mammoth Lake, which is on the east side of the Sierra, and end in Yosemite Valley, and climb Half Dome on the last day, and we'd have do this all with a group of seven women with tons of athleticism and varying degrees of experience in the outdoors as far as camping and hiking and backpacking goes. So it was going to be kind of a stretch and an adventure for each one of us in different ways. And so we started preparing for that and testing equipment and conditioning ourselves and, you know, talking about food and working out the logistics and our, um, you know, route and campsites and all of that. And that was a long process over several months.
0: Well, that's a pretty aggressive goal. It was a
1: scaled back goal, actually, when I first thought about it, I had said, "Oh, let's do the whole John Muir trail, two hundred eleven miles, you know and um, we decided that would be so ambitious that the chances of not doing anything would be heightened, so we decided to scale it back to about eighty miles in eight days. Yeah, it was ambitious. <laughs> And it took a lot of um, planning and preparation because even though several of us had done a lot in the outdoors over the years, and I had done a lot of, you know, backpacking and climbing and things early on, it has been a good 15 years since my kids were born that I had really backpacked. And, you know, we had one member of our group who had never even gone to the bathroom outdoors, let alone slept in a tent. Everybody was really committed and dedicated to it and were super athletic, like tough women. But, you know, we had a lot still to prepare for and plan for. So we started on that process and I got the permit and that was an exciting day. And then I think a week after I got the permit, my oldest kid, who I said has struggled for so long, Came out to my husband and myself as transgender. That was, I mean, our immediate reaction to that was relief in a lot of ways because he had been suffering and it's hard as a parent when you don't know why and what, what's going on or how to help. And with that, it felt like, okay, this is, this is something concrete. You know, we can do this. We can support this and we can, Help him walk through this and he'll be happier and, you know, better. And we, you know, immediately accepted that and affirmed that and affirmed him. But now as a parent, you know, five years later and a parent who has since worked with a lot of other families with kids that are trans or non-binary or any sort of gender creative person, There's a huge process parents go through, which is, first of all, educating ourselves and learning about, you know, what does this mean and how do we know that this is the case and how do we help our kid and what are the medical issues and what are the legal issues? And on top of that, there's such an emotional process to go through of fear and doubt and questioning and trying to understand and guilt. A lot of parents have a lot of guilt about, like... I didn't see this or did I see this and did I deny it and did I say the right thing and there are feelings of loss and mourning of the parent's expectations for what their kid is or who they are and then there's guilt about the loss and mourning because you think, you know, I still have my kid, why should I be feeling that? You know, now working with a lot of parents who go through that, what I say to them all the time is parents need to find a way to process that because, yes, it's the kid that is transitioning, but the whole family and parents go through a transformation as well. And, you know, we as parents need to deal with our shit on our own without burdening our kids with that so that when we go back to our kids, we can be just... All love and acceptance and support and advocate on their behalf. Parents need to find an outlet for all of that emotion. And for me, that process, that journey of understanding that and coming to terms with all of that was so inextricably intertwined with my planning and preparing for this, you know, real life trip that I was going on. These ladies that I was preparing for this trip with became that community for me. I mean, I later found other moms of trans kids and that was a really important aspect for me as well. But immediately I had these girlfriends that I was planning this trip with. And as you know, when you're out hiking, what do you do the whole time? You just talk, talk, talk. (laughs) On our training hikes, we would talk every week. I had a contingent of gals out here in Southern California that were preparing. And then there was the contingent in Albuquerque that was preparing separately and So my girls here, we would hike every week with, you know, increasing the weight of our paths that we were training. And we would talk and I would talk and I would cry and they would cry and they would, you know, offer me support and I would vent about things. And, you know, then that continued when the whole group came together. I, You know, you talk 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 and then you like hike and you process and and you practice a lot. I mean, as a parent, I found that, You know, you have to practice like sharing this very personal part of your life with other people because people will constantly say, well, how's your daughter? And you have to be prepared to say, oh, well, hey, by the way, my daughter is actually my son. You know, he's transgender and that's hard for people to get out at first. So having a trusted group to share that with is a really important way of practicing that role of being the person who is totally comfortable saying, Yeah, my kid is transgender and you know, doing that with a group of women that you're sharing this experience with was so helpful and so meaningful to me all the way through this hike. So, you know, we um all came together and we uh started on this hike and it was Amazing, and anybody who knows the John Muir Trail and the Sierras knows just the incredible scenery and the beauty of it. You know, we started out of Mammoth Lakes, and then we continued up and over Donahue Pass and down into Tuolumne Meadows. We had a resupply that we had dropped off there, and we were like six days in there, and you know, on every big trip you go on an adventure, you kind of hit a wall at some point where everything like is, <laughs> where you start to have like the, like kind of the crux of the trip, like the thing you have to get through. And um, we got to Tuolumne and we found out that our, one of our gals on our trip, the one who I had mentioned had never backpacked and never camped and really struggling and suffering and her feet were blistered and she hadn't been sleeping. And she shared with us that she was ready to drop out of the trip. And that was the one place you could do that, really. You know, we heard her and we supported her and we encouraged her. And we said, gosh, we only have two more days. Come on, you can do this. And she decided to stick with us. And so we, you know, got over that hurdle. Our plan was to hike an additional five miles that day and end up at Lower Cathedral Lake, below Cathedral Peak, which is about five miles out of Palmy Meadows. And that is a magical place. It's a beautiful peak. John Muir talks about, I think he was the first to climb it and he talks about it and says it's the first time he had really been to church in California. We were hiking at the end of the afternoon and we made this Total working mistake that, um, I told my kids not to make a thousand times, which is we got strung out on the trail and there was a turn off to lower Cathedral Lake and the first part of our party made the turn off and headed down there and were taking off their packs. And then those of us at the tail end got down there and were, you know, met up with them and we realized we were missing a person. So an hour of frantic running up and down the trail and leaving notes and, you know, trying to reconnect with this gal ensued. I'll just say of all of our group, of the the one person who could be, like, most capable of being completely on our own, she was it. So we weren't so worried about her being alone, but obviously we wanted to reconnect. And we all did. You know, we all found each other, and we ended up back at camp. And it was just like that night was such a celebration because you know we had overcome this hurdle. We'd gotten our our whole group was intact. Both we'd talked the one gal into continuing with us. We found our lost person. We picked up boxes of wine and our resupply, so that was really nice. We just had a great celebration, and we held at the moon, and we sang songs, and we just, it was like the absolute peak experience of
0: the trip. It sounds like a real pivotal evening together.
1: It was. It was fabulous. It was just one of those nights where you have just a group of women, and you're just like having a ball together, and I will say the whole trip, we just laughed our heads off. There's just something about having a group of great women together in the outdoors. All through the trip, we sang and we laughed and we just had a ball. That was like the height of it, I will say. The next morning, I got up at sunrise and we were all just sort of starting to get around. And I walked out to a granite outcropping into Lower Cathedral Lake and I was watching the sunrise. I had carried with me through this trip a heart-shaped rock. My family has kind of a tradition of collecting heart-shaped rocks. We had mainly started doing that because my kids would collect so dang many rocks that I had to find some way to limit that. So I said, let's just collect heart-shaped rocks. I had carried one, just a perfect heart-shaped rock that I had written my kids' given name on. Um, his girl's name, which he was no longer using. My plan was to leave it somewhere. I don't know if I had decided that it was going to be Cathedral Lake or not, but it seemed it's a perfect place. So that morning, I walked out at sunrise, and I meditated, and I reflected, and then I picked this little rock, and I just, I left it there in a crevice in the granite, and it was, meant as an offering and a a ritual to let go of that kid as I thought he was and make complete space in my heart for the kid who really is. And that was super meaningful to me as kind of a culmination of this whole process of you know, accepting this and just sort of transforming my heart to be completely open to my kid as he is. So for all I know, it's still sitting there. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: it felt like a relief and just a letting go. It was a letting go. That next day hiking from Cathedral Lake to Half Dome, you walk through a, a burn area and it was the few years prior to this. I've been through it since in early summer and it's really regenerating and it's beautiful and it's got wildflowers and I've seen a bear cubs in there and it's lovely, a lovely return, you know. Um, but when we went through it in mid September it was dry and seemed super desolate. I mean, it really looked like a fire zone. And right in the middle of the trail, right in the middle of this burned out area, I found a perfect heart-shaped rock. And that's when I collected and saved from that trip because it just felt like such a perfect symbol of rebirth out of this fire. And the one thing I keep in mind all the time, especially now with all we're going through, is out of chaos comes creation, and um, that rock reminds me of that all the time.
0: Wow, that's such an amazing story. What do you think it is about being in the wild or being in nature that offers up these incredible gifts to us, like this rock, right in the middle of the trail in a burned out forest? I think it just, it opens us up
1: to anything and everything. You know, we've become much more aware of everything around us. We become much more, you know, in tune with ourselves and just the whole act of being challenged and facing adversity and feeling powerful and capable and all of those things. I think they remind us who we are and make us much more aware of ourselves as well. I have always found, and I, I mean, I think it's found through history, you know, we, people find that being out in the outdoors really teaches you so much about yourself. And that is a gift, really. I think that's why we go back there over and over again. Well, wow, your story is so powerful. Is there anything else you want to share with us? I will say since then, I I came out of that feeling very strong and very powerful and have become a real advocate for LGBTQ rights and work a lot with families of kids, both trans kids and gay kids as well and non-binary and the whole range. So um I feel like that, you know, partly came out of my finding this power and strength in my trip, you know, knowing that I was capable of doing these things. And
0: how is your son?
1: He's great. He's great. (laughs) He's actually living his best possible life. He's following his dreams. I think that after all he's gone through, I think his attitude is might as well just go for it and see what comes of it. So he's done very well. Thank you.
0: Oh, that's spectacular. What a great ending. Thanks so much for being there and for sharing your story. My pleasure. Thank you. Don't miss the next episode of The Broad Story Project. You'll find links to other stories on our website under news.